Welcome to She's Up Next, a podcast focused on positive women's media representation and amplifying the voices of young female changemakers. We're here to have open conversations with teenage girls our age with accomplishments in activism, STEM, entrepreneurship, and more. Join us for this week's episode to catch up with what's new in our busy lives and fuel your motivation to achieve your own dreams through the inspiring stories of others like you. I'm your co-host, Jackie Acosta. And I'm Dory Miller. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. It's Dory. And Jackie. And we are so, so excited to be back after a long little break. I guess we both had very busy summers. Jackie hasn't even started school yet, so she's still in her long summer. Um, But we're so excited to be talking about the movie of the summer. Both of us had the exact same thought after seeing it that we needed to record an episode. It is so hand in hand with the message we try to get across through our show. Um, Yeah, Jackie, do you want to introduce what we're talking about? Yeah, like Dory said, like the moment I saw this movie, actually the moment I saw that when the trailer came out like last year, sometime in the, I think like fall, um, I knew exactly that it would make for a perfect episode for our podcast. Like just everything um, that the movie tries to convey and the messages, um, it actually went a lot deeper than I thought it was going to. uh, But even from the very beginning, I knew that this is something that we'd want to talk about. if you haven't already guessed, the movie that we'll be kind of discussing today is the Barbie movie. Um, exactly. I know. I was so excited when I saw it. I actually went to go see it with a couple of friends. Um, my mom had seen it on opening uh, opening weekend. I, oh, wow. I don't remember why I wasn't able to go with her, but she went with a bunch of her friends. And like she mm-hmm. came home and she's like, oh, my gosh, you need to see it. Like it was a really good movie. And it didn't disappoint. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually really disappointed. I didn't get to go with my mom. I was, Mm -hmm. I'll get into it when we do some introductions, but I was away at a camp all summer. So I actually was fortunate enough to see it at all, but I went on a day off with some of my friends because there's a movie theater about an hour out from camp slash near we were staying for a day off. Um, And it ended up, even though I was not with my mom, which I had hoped to see it with, I had such a great experience going with my best friends from camp who I had already developed really close female-oriented relationships with. Um, So it was me and a few of the older girls and then two of my best friends that I'm still very much in touch with after the summer. So I feel like that made it very memorable and I'm glad I was able to share it with them. I'm actually wearing the same pink shirt I wore <laughs> when I went to see it. I was the only one of my group who went with the pink theme, but that's okay. We were all kind of straggly looking anyways, given our <laughs> states at camp. But yeah, I'm glad I was able to see it with a good group. Yeah, but before we hop into all of that, we thought that we are definitely in much need of a catch-up. Um, like Dory said, we both had very, very busy summers, so we didn't actually get to uh, talk as much as we would liked. Um, but I'm so excited to hear what she was up to this summer. I know I was keeping up on social media with all her fun camp adventures, but I'm excited to hear um, exactly like what went down and all the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I won't go too into it in this episode <laughs> just because there is so much to cover but it was seriously the best summer of my life 
probably the hardest I've ever worked. We have days where we're working basically 12 hours with minimal breaks. Um, so I was Cub Corral, which is, it's a cow themed camp. It's through the Cow Alumni Association, but pretty much anyone can join that association and register for camp. Um, but I, Cub Corral means I worked with two to five-year-olds essentially running daycare mornings and afternoons. Sometimes we have night programs. So it's definitely a lot of time with kids. Uh, looking back, I miss them a lot. There's definitely days where my patience was tested, but overall I had a very strong appreciation for all the kids we met throughout throughout the summer. Um, and I've, a few times I hopped on older age group programs, which was amazing. Um, so that meant I got to go horseback riding once. I did paddle boats on the nearby lake every week with one of my friends. And that was with, I believe, the eight, nine, and 10-year-olds. So I kind of dabbled in the various age groups throughout the summer. So just lots of time with kids. Um, kind of going back to my babysitting roots. I'm actually actively trying to get some babysitting jobs here in Berkeley just because it's kind of the most flexible job I can get to make money right now, which I'm very much in need of after the summer because I know. it is kind of a camp known for not paying the best, but that's not why I did it. I did it for the memories and I totally have many. I have I ended up becoming really close with my two roommates as well as two roommates in another tent. Um, so those, that kind of group of the five of us keep in touch on the daily. Um, so I'll be excited to visit them. Two of them do go to Berkeley. So I've been able to see them a lot. I'm supposed to see them today. Um, but then one goes to Oregon, one goes to Boulder. So we'll be making visits throughout the next couple of years, which is really exciting. So overall, lots of great work experience, lifelong friendships, lots of memorable nights of crazy costumes. There's a lot of themed parties, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, the best part, I saved this to the end, was just the fact that I got to live outside all summer and really deepen my appreciation for nature as well as music, we put on a lot of shows. So there's many days spent someone playing guitar and all of us singing literally in the woods for the entire, oh, I I could go way deeper into it. But um, the one point I wanted to bring up because it's just such a beautiful image is I slept under the stars every night, was woken up by the sun. Could we sleep without tent tarps on where it's basically this wooden structure that when it's raining when it's cold you put this plaster I don't know what probably not the right word whatever tarp over us to protect us from rain whatever um, but when the weather is nice we just take it off all together and sleep outside so I really do miss getting to fall asleep with the stars and the moon just right above me and then waking up to sunrise but it is nice to live under a roof again, I will say. So both both have their perks. But yeah, that was kind of my ramble of my three months in the woods. I feel like you were living like every girl's like wilderness camp, like yes, dreams out there. Like exactly. I was seeing all the photos and I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks like so much fun. Was the weather like it relatively nice out there? 
for most of the summer. Totally. Actually, the, the first two weeks when everything I mean, being new to camp, there was so much training mm-hmm. um, and manual labor, literally sticking as in picking up sticks <laughs> for hours on end and raking. Oh, I do not miss that part. So during those first two weeks, it was thunderstorming every day mm-hmm. and freezing. And I feel like I did not pack well for that mm-hmm. because I packed summer clothes mm-hmm. and very like and dresses and rompers and shorts, whatever. Um, so there's definitely a lot of days spent wearing beanies and layers for those first two weeks. But then the weather was phenomenal after that. The first few weeks weren't too hot. Some weeks were really hot, but for the most part, it was sunny and pleasant. So a little all over the place, but still, a, I think a good mix. It definitely cooled down as summer came to a close. Oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. I feel like I couldn't have had more of an opposite summer than you. Um, yeah. I mean, I won't get too much into it because it goes into a little bit of my joyful moment, but I spent mm-hmm. majority of my summer um, working in internship um, that I was able to get like amazingly through one of my mom's old coworkers. So my mom used to work as a public defender at the San Francisco public defender's office, like long before I was born I think she worked there for like five years before she moved to her current job um but one of her like longtime friends family friends like still works at the office and was looking for fellows for um his department and he asked my mom if I was interested and I'm like of course like at the time I was still looking for a job like I was applying to be like a barista or like work at a froyo or like I don't know maybe scoop ice cream again just because I really wanted to have something this summer to make a little bit of pocket money. Um, but when this opportunity came up, I was like, oh, this can be more perfect. It aligns with what I kind of want to do career wise. And I feel like it's a good way to kind of like dip my foot into like policy and government and see if this is going to be my thing. Um, so I applied and they brought me on. Um, it was me and uh, one other intern fell around my age. And then they had two law student interns who worked part time. Um, but me and the other college student, we worked full time. Um, so we were there three days in the office and then two days remote, which was like absolutely perfect. Um, and we got to work with the clean slate unit and they work on, or their main priority is, um, helping folks in the County of San Francisco, like expunge their records. So what I hadn't realized is that there's actually a bunch of barriers, um, like prohibiting low income families and individuals from, um, receiving any type of like aid or um, like housing if they have like a criminal record, like if they have a misdemeanor or a felony on their record, then it makes it a lot more difficult to um, receive help. So what my unit was kind of in charge of was like um, receiving applications of applicants who were interested in um, being a part of the program and then like um, processing their applications and then getting them ready for the attorneys to review to see what type of relief they're eligible for. I also didn't realize like there's like hundreds and hundreds of different types of relief that uh, people are eligible for that they would never would have never known um, if they had never applied. So it was just really eye-opening to see like how much need there actually is in our city for programs like this like how many applicants we had on a weekly basis I think it was like over two to three hundred applicants and I felt like I was like processing 10 to 30 applications a day um 
and just seeing like how many people really need our help was just so surprising to me and it felt um really good well yeah it felt good but like it was definitely a change because I feel like in in school we definitely talk about like we like brainstorm ideas to help in our community but we don't actually like take part in actual work so um being a part of this internship and getting to help actual people was 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 amazing like I I I don't really know how to describe it but I just I really enjoyed it um but yeah couldn't have been more opposite than sorry (laughs) (laughs) truly but wow I'm really impressed and I mean I'm not shocked that you were so well spoken about the experience and what you were able to observe um but yeah I had no idea Jackie was doing this up until today (laughs) I think we've both been kind of in the dark of each other's lives without getting the chance to record so I'm I'm so glad I got to hear it firsthand on here um but yeah I think that was a perfect way for you to really again dip your toes into the policy world especially working in San Francisco with a population that we do learn so much about in school, mm-hmm. um, especially where we went to high school. Um, I think that's really meaningful that you then actually get to be on the other end of actually affecting change and not just, like you said, brainstorming hypothetical scenarios. So right. um, I'm on it. I'm so jealous. I <laughs> am dying to have some sort of legal political opportunity like that in the next couple years so I'm really excited you were able to do that this summer I know I was so excited Uh, to tell you there were so many points I I wanted to text you and let you know but I'm like I know this is gonna make a great (laughs) podcast segment so I'm just gonna save it totally but yeah I'm glad yeah Yeah, I had so much fun yeah, that's why it's more natural conversation. <laughs> True. Us, us actually getting to converse about it for the first time. Also, I want to apologize. I'm so out of it this morning. I have been so tired in the morning, so I feel like I'm not as articulate <laughs> so far, but I think I'm getting back into it. I just want no to worries. give the disclaimer for our followers. I'm currently drinking a coffee, which I never do this early. I try mm-hmm. to give it a few hours but I felt like it was necessary today no and worries. my roommates and I did get an espresso machine for a room and then Ooh. got a mini fridge which we're totally not supposed to have so it's been kind of fun <laughs> to make my coffees in the morning and they're actually not half bad that sounds like so anyways bad. yeah on that note my I guess joyful moment I don't really have anything specific. I've just been joyful to be back in Berkeley. It's definitely, I will say at first it was somewhat of a rough transition. I had only a day at home after Lair, my summer camp, um, before coming back to Berkeley, which is of course a huge adjustment to make a not living outdoors anymore and being grimy and... (laughs) whatever kind of off the rails all the time um to then coming back here where I went straight into work week which is our preparation for sorority rush slash what we call it now is recruitment but you know most people know it as rush um so I definitely struggled a bit with how superficial that felt compared to what I had just spent the summer experiencing um especially too because i was very disconnected from a current events 
be social media what was going on in my friends lives and I kind of I felt a little what's the word removed from everyone here just kind of the life that I'm used to here but I guess going back to this being my joyful moment I feel like I've finally transitioned back I am so happy to be back um I definitely talk about summer camp on the daily and reminisce all the time and like I said I'm very much still in touch with my friends but I feel like I feel really good to just be with all my friends here getting closer with newer people I've gotten really close with my roommates one of them was already my roommate last year slash best friend in the house but our two other roommates because we're in a quad the four of us are just inseparable have had a lot of really fun late nights together talking and just really getting to know each other better and I feel like that's made for a very fun and loving environment in our room um but on the end of academics and just involvement in school I'm taking my first to upper division legal studies courses, which has been incredible, definitely intense, lots of reading, lots of lengthy, dense lectures. Um, but I'm really glad to be knocking that out right now because I know classes will start to get a lot more interesting as I move out of the foundational ones. Um, but big thing is that this semester I'm actually teaching a class which has been so incredible. I feel like it's kind of an example of what you were saying, Jackie, of actually getting to do something about an issue. The class is called Environmental Justice Education. Um, last semester, I, I'm sure I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but I was able to teach a, an environmental justice program at a local middle school, um, specifically to sixth graders. And so the girl who I did it with, we ended up applying to become the co-facilitators of this decal, designed it from scratch. Um, It's out of the same student government office that we did the program last semester, but we had total creative rights to (laughs) do whatever we wanted with it. So we spent the earlier parts of the summer, creating the syllabus, creating slides, um, deciding what we wanted our assignments to look like. So kind of going through the depths of the internet to find articles and um, research done on environmental education. Um, We have some guest speakers coming at different points, like a environmental science teacher here at Berkeley, um, a middle school teacher who's my friend's dad, or the girl I'm co-facilitating with it's her dad that's whose classroom we were able to go to last semester um and then an incredible climate activist who just joined my sorority so I have felt so fulfilled by getting to do this also just the chance to actually teach a class even though I am teaching students my own age if not older than me um because it is it is a course for Berkeley students to then for them to then go out into elementary and middle school. So it's so bizarre to be on the other end of Canvas and creating quizzes and grading assignments. I now know what it's looked like for my teachers. I definitely have some more empathy for them because it is so hard to navigate. I literally do not understand how Canvas works. Um, so I'm still, I'm still working on that end of things. But yeah, it's been incredible. And especially given um, some recent news, there's 
of course, lots happening in Florida right now, but Governor DeSantis just um, approved these climate denial videos to be taught in classrooms, um, which was, I was shocked seeing the article the day I did because we had literally just had a discussion in class about climate literacy and that going hand in hand with media literacy and being able to determine what's been greenwashed, what's funded by a fossil fuel company versus information that's actually factual and not just propaganda for Chevron or Exxon, you know? So I'd say those have been my most joyful moments of being back. Overall, I'm just grateful to be doing what I love again in a different sense um, than how I spent the summer. I was definitely, again, feeling a little disconnected from all the things that I do throughout the academic school year. So yeah, just glad to be back and feeling finally well-adjusted and ready to get back into things like the podcast, for example. That yeah, all sorry, sounds... that was kind of a ramble. <laughs> yeah, no worries, but that all sounds amazing. Like Dory said, this is the first time we, either of us has got to catch up with one another. So this yes. is the first time hearing about this. And that sounds like so much fun. Like I was going to ask, I was waiting. I wasn't sure if you were going to mention it, like what age group this was, if you were still teaching yeah. middle schoolers or if it was college students, but not, hearing that you're, you're going to be teaching like um, a class to your peers, if not people students a little bit older than you like that's honestly I don't know how I would do it like I feel like I'd be so nervous but I feel like you um are gonna be perfect and are definitely well suited for this this role I'm so excited for you um but getting into my joyful moment like it's basically building off of what I said uh, in my quick recap but um I guess my joyful moment for this week would be I got to finish off my internship yesterday. It was my last day in the office. It was a little bit bittersweet. Um, I'm definitely going to miss like working with my coworkers every day um, and just getting to have an impact on the community. Um, but I definitely felt like I learned a lot and gained a lot of valuable experience that I will definitely use going forward. Um, I'd like to hopefully work there again if they'd have me back. Um, I had that great of a time. Um, but I'm honestly looking forward to going back to school. I officially leave uh, for Irvine on Monday. Uh, I don't start school until September 28th, so I still have like a good two weeks before I actually start school again. Um, but I'm excited to move back and see all my friends that I made during my first year and kind of just settle back into school um, and just get ready for the new for the new year. Yeah, nothing too crazy, just nice and short and sweet. <laughs> Yes, thank you for keeping yours brief as mine was not. <laughs> I knew I would end up going on and on. But well, you couldn't that... keep you couldn't keep a joyful moment like that like short. Exactly. Like you definitely needed to to expand. I, I enjoyed you. it, so I'm I glad agree. that you, you 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 gave some insight into into what you're up to at Berkeley. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Well, that gives us a segue into the bulk of our conversation today, which is Barbie. So Jackie picked out a perfect quote of the week. I think it really hits home one of the most impactful parts of the movie. Um, Jackie, do you want to read it to see where yeah. you want to pick it out? Um, I remember when I first heard this this list line in the movie and like how much it resonated with me. Like this was part of that um monologue that I believe Gloria, the 
human mother in the movie like she she said to to barbie um in barbie's like time of need um she said it as part of her monologue and i remember it really resonating with me because i'm like yeah that that really feels like like that feels right like i definitely have felt like that before um and the quote she said that I picked out for this week reads, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And I think it's something that isn't really as widely discussed, but is such a shared phenomenon um, that when I heard it in the movie, I know that like a lot of other women felt the same way because even though we don't talk about it, we definitely feel that Um and it just really stuck with me to this day, ever since hearing it part of the movie. So I thought it'd be perfect for this episode. Yeah, I agree. And that imagery of tying yourself into the knot also reminds me of the saying, stretching yourself too thin. Um, I feel like that's something that you and I have definitely experienced at points in our lives, especially in high school of just be wanting to be involved in so many different things and serve different parts of our community while also doing what we love. Um, and not to say that's not something we're both passionate about, but it mm-hmm. definitely comes from a place of people pleasing. And oh, for sure. again, this idea of not being able to say no to certain things because you want people to like you, which is exactly that idea of being tied into knots or again, stretching yourself too thin. So I I agree. I really resonated with that quote, Um, especially coming from America Ferreira, who has Uh, been in so many, yeah, feel good movies. Um, I had no idea she was in it. I know. I was, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of the film that was purposely left in the dark for viewers. I think Mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig really did want it to be a surprise because I was actually just listening to a podcast she was on the other day in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was Margot Robbie saying that everyone thinks they know what the film is about. It's Barbie, it's Mattel, um, it's a brand name film. And then they find out that Greta Gerwig's directing and they're like, oh, I actually have no idea what it's going to be about. And I definitely felt like that going into the movie. I knew it was obviously going to have a very impactful message, especially... At the point I saw it, there was already a lot of TikToks out mm-hmm. there about how beautiful the film was and mm-hmm. how so many girls really felt connected to the message. But even still, I <laughs> I was just blown away with how it all came together into one film. I feel like there are so many messages captured throughout, which, yeah, I feel like we can start with some of the questions you drafted for us yes. to guide our conversation. Um, I yes. thought that before we get into the deep stuff, because I know there's a bunch okay. of like super deep themes that we want to discuss. I thought we'd yeah. start off on a little bit of a, a lighter end. Um, but I, I thought of this question like exactly <laughs> when I saw the movie, because there's one specific um, Barbie that it was part of like the like weird was in the weird Barbie house that I remember yeah. specifically getting for Christmas because I really really oh wanted God. her and I didn't think she was a weird Barbie but like when I saw her in the movie I'm like oh my gosh I had that Barbie and I I wanted like after that I saw that uh scene I like asked everyone that I was with if they had like a Barbie that oh was in gosh. the movie um and a couple girls had actually had had the same Barbie that I had I'm like I'm glad to know that I wasn't the only one well what Barbie was it I don't know if you remember but I forget it was towards the end when like 
there's all those discontinued Barbies in like weird Barbie's yeah. house and it's the one with like she had like the video camera in her necklace and she had the video oh my gosh yes 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 I do remember that I can't say I, I had one but <laughs> Wait, I was I so really excited to get it for Christmas it up right now I think I got it when oh I was seven or eight and it was like wow. the number one thing on my Christmas list because <sighs> I didn't have a camera and I really wanted to be able to take pictures. And this Barbie like took pictures and took video and it was all stored in Barbie. And I thought it was the coolest thing oh my ever. Gosh. Wait, wow. I didn't realize it took photos. That's crazy. Yes. And video. And it like recorded yeah, sound and like. I felt tech. very. I know. I felt very seen in that moment <laughs> when I saw Aww. that Barbie on screen. <laughs> Yeah, well, for me, on another note, I felt seen through Weird Barbie because really? the only Barbie I remember having was my mom's old Barbie mm-hmm. who had been through it. I think she had short hair, I'm sure, cut by my mom. I don't know if she necessarily had Sharpie or marker on her, but she definitely had a kind of a funky 80s outfit. <laughs> Again, the chopped hair, um, probably a limb slightly out of place I don't know but I I don't know I don't think I was a huge Barbie person growing up I had a lot of dolls don't get me mm-hmm. wrong I had a lot of American Girl dolls that was that was my thing my my family's probably spent too much money on that over over a couple years of my childhood um I had Polly Pockets both the ones that were typical to our generation but then I had the like literal pocket ones um <laughs> mm-hmm. the, yeah the little the little clam yeah yeah, like... yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. that um came from all my old babysitters so I actually had a lot of my toys were from um girls in my neighborhood or people who had babysat me over the years um so I kind of had some more outdated toys throughout my childhood but I definitely was dying when they first revealed weird Barbie because it does look so similar to that one Barbie that my sister and I had. And I feel I like everybody had one, that. right? Mm-hmm. Everybody had it's a version so of so bizarre. Barbie, right? Yeah, it, it kind it's of freaked me out. Experience. Yeah, that I feel like TikTok over the years has made me realize how many of my experiences are not unique, uh, which is such a weird existential thought but we won't dive too it's much existential but then comforting at the same time yes exactly like there's a little bit of both you know yeah and I feel like that's the whole point of Barbie I feel yeah. like actually yeah that's a really great way, way to describe the movie existential <laughs> but comforting I like that for sure for sure um but I guess that kind of moves us into our next question um yes were there any themes that you felt in the movie kind of came up short or you wish were explored a little bit more I don't know I I was really satisfied with the movie mm-hmm. I think if I were to go back and see it again I might have more specific thoughts about the themes but I was just so overwhelmed with emotion throughout that I don't think I had it in me to be a film critic um I definitely I wish we saw more of Ken overcoming the patriarchal messages mm-hmm. he gained from the real world. I mean, I obviously it does end at some point, but I wish he okay, yeah, this is 
this is where I'm going to go with this. I wish he had more of a, of an epiphany of not having to succumb to this world of toxic masculinity um, and been able to see a healthier side of masculinity and been able to teach that to the other Kens. I don't know. I, I'm not articulating that super well, but I, I, because that was such a big part of the film, which was not something I was entirely mm-hmm. expecting. I wish there was kind of the opposite presented of this is what healthy masculinity looks like and how to work with the femininity of Barbie land. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That was that was the one thing that came to my mind just now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like they kind of, I mean, there was so much going on in the movie. Like I understand they couldn't address everything to the extent that maybe Greta Gerwig wanted to. Um, but I definitely felt like he kind of got over the whole like patriarchy thing kind of fast and that there really wasn't, um, there you couldn't really see what happened after. Like, if they had a healthier relationship, like healthier dynamics in Barbie land um, after that, everything had happened. I feel like that might've been something I would have wanted to see. Yeah. 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 I almost feel like there was too much time spent on conflict between right. the Kens and Barbies so that mm-hmm. there wasn't a satisfying enough of a resolution and getting to see what Barbie Land looked like in the aftermath of Mm -hmm. Ken introducing the patriarchy Um, and just seeing seeing a world where the Kens felt a little more included in Barbie Land or felt like they had a more significant role but also not in a way that takes away from Barbie Land being literally a land of women's empowerment Mm -hmm. um, and that being the center of their civilization. But I agree. I feel like there was a missing end to his character arc. I feel like I would have liked to see a little bit more. And I feel like I would have also liked to see, like, because they spent a lot of time, like, when the whole, like, Mojo Dojo Casa House thing Mm -hmm. and, like, Mattel was selling a bunch of Mojo Dojo Casa House and, Mm -hmm. like, people were buying them. I feel like I would have liked to see, like, the impact, like, after everything not reverted back to how it was originally, but things have changed if that had yeah. any impact on the real world. Um, yes. Oh, I feel like that might have been really interesting to see. I don't know. Agreed. Yeah. And just knowing how fast everything from Barbie Land translates to mm-hmm. the real world, I think that would have been really, really interesting. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a Barbie too. I honestly wouldn't be shocked but it also could just be a standalone standalone. film easily and it will be for a long time at least yeah (laughs) knowing how much of a production that was I can't even I haven't even looked up the budget but I'm sure it was it must have been crazy but I feel like everything was executed so well like it's exactly how I remembered Mm -hmm. like I really love in that like opening scene when she's like waking up and she's like pretending to take a shower and there's like no mm-hmm. actual water like because that's how things yep. were like exactly uh. no the attention to detail was incredible and I loved the Lizzo song narr- mm-hmm. as narration I think that was executed so well yeah because they could have oh, easily like made it pink. yeah they could have easily made it like yeah similar to real world like there could have been water there could have been like 
yeah actual food but like she stayed true to like what barbie was where it was like yes like you just had like sticker decals in the fridge and like yep like the way oh i just loved all of it <laughs> yeah and it was essentially there's a there was a little girl just invisible who's mm-hmm. carrying her around having her float off Floats, the house yes. rather than yeah that that i thought was hilarious I think that both of our responses kind of answer that next question I had. I think the movie definitely met, if not exceeded my expectations. It definitely met my expectations in the Mm -hmm. sense that like everything was executed so well. Like it was definitely what I remember about Barbie Um, and exceeded my expectations in the themes that were like discussed and um, kind of explored throughout the movie. Yeah, I feel like my expectations were definitely exceeded again going into the movie not knowing so much about it I mean at at the point I did see it the most knowledge I had was the Billie Eilish song and again the various TikToks talking about random key terms from the film that I was just curious to know the backstory of Um, but no again it was phenomenal I was so emotional throughout um and I feel like that's where it really did exceed my expectations I anticipated that I'd just be laughing and joyful the whole time which I certainly felt but the more emotional moments I experienced definitely came from a place of reflection on what it is to be a woman uh, as well as the relationships I have in my life. I feel like this kind of goes into one of our other questions, but I definitely thought of my mom a lot and just intergenerational female experiences, um, things that I inherited from my mom, things that she inherited from her mom, particularly particularly when it comes to emotions and how I react to things. Um, But yeah, I just feel like I didn't expect myself to be so what's the word? Introspective. That's it. Um, Of why I am the way I am and how that has to do with the women in my life, Um, which I feel like is something a lot of people didn't expect to experience throughout the film. But there are a lot of moments with older women and Barbie interacting with that one woman on the bench or meeting Ruth, her creator. Um, I thought that was a particularly beautiful moment um and just having someone from such a different generation give her take on womanhood was really powerful um and especially for her to see what barbie has become especially in barbie land um, not necessarily the real world just yet uh, was really beautiful so i feel like that's one of my biggest takeaways after seeing it was just appreciation for the women in my life and why I am the way I am now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What you just said kind of reminded me of that other quote um, that the creator had said something about, I can't remember it verbatim, but it was something like us mothers stand still so that our daughters can look back and see how far that they've come. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that. Oh, yes. Like, oh my goodness. Like, that's so true. Like, like we don't re- we don't appreciate as much as we should like how much our moms really do do for us and really guide us through Mm -hmm. the beginning stages of womanhood so that we can become successful so that we can achieve what we hope to achieve yeah exactly and I feel like especially for our moms 
our current generation is one of change makers and people who are having to actively kind of abandon childhood more early on because of how mm-hmm. pressing certain issues are in the world, whether mm-hmm. it has to do with women's equality, reproductive rights, climate change, racial injustice. I think our moms are in a very odd place in the world to see their kids have to give up so much so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're the ones who have to kind of guide us towards being able to do so without feeling like we're not kids anymore. I don't know. I I kind of worded that weirdly, but Mm -hmm. I definitely like thinking of our mom's childhoods. It was definitely a very different place um, than we're living in now. So I think there's definitely a lot to be said about how strong our moms are to know our, their kids are living in a world like it is now so anyways that was my kind of existential (laughs) thought for that particular question um okay I really like this question or yeah this prompt you wrote but dissect America Ferreira Gloria character's monologue the impossibilities of being a woman I'm actually going to pull it up right now yeah I think that would definitely be helpful because there are so many specific things that she said in her monologue that definitely hit close to home. Like, like we were saying before, like the whole movie in general was both like very existential, but comforting at the same time, because a lot of the things, a lot of the themes, a lot of the experiences that were discussed are things that are shared by hundreds of thousands of women. But at the same time, I feel like or I'm speaking for myself personally, I felt like I was going through a lot of these things on my own. But to hear that, like, that I wasn't, that this is, like, like a shared phenomenon across the entire, not just my generation, but, like, women in general was definitely something that was both comforting and, like, well, yeah, more than just comforting was just, like, something that just helped me, I don't know, gain a better perspective and outlook on life. Like, I'm not truly alone in this feeling, like a lot of other people feel this way a lot of other women feel this way and that like once I realized that like it's a step forward I guess yeah I agree I I'm literally teary-eyed right now just reading (laughs) the monologue all over again Um, but I one thing I really enjoyed about the monologue is that it went beyond the commonly discussed expectations of women physically um but then also talked about career be having a career as a woman um being a mother overall expectations um that we set for ourselves and how difficult it is to do that because we are ultimately creating such standards for the gaze of men and the system they've built um so I, I really appreciate that she started with the more physical attributes. Um, like you have to be thin, but not too thin. You have to want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. Or you have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin, whatever. I think it goes so much, so far beyond that. And her character really encapsulates that 
throughout. I won't, there's too many great lines. I won't go <laughs> into all of it, but I think she just is able to verbalize so much that we don't normally think has anything to do with the patriarchal system we live in, but ultimately it's so yeah there's just there's too much to be said about this monologue there could be an entire we could do an entire episode on it honestly. for sure it was truly moving and like one of my favorite parts because more than what she just mm-hmm. said but also like the situation she was in like she was dealing with her own feelings and her own relationship yeah. with her own daughter and in that moment she saw that barbie was in need and was able to like kind of step outside of herself and kind of console her in this time of need um even when she wasn't really in the right place herself I think that also shows like how women show up for one another um in each other's times of need which was really moving as well exactly and I really I really appreciate that the film is about Barbie experiencing all of these emotions for the first time uh, and then contrasting that with America Ferreira, who's lived her, her characters lived her whole life with Mm -hmm. these emotions and then experiences a sort of frustration that Barbie, who is so stereotypically perfect, as Mm -hmm. she's described, to see her go through all of that, she just feels so overwhelmingly, she feels so overwhelmed that someone who looks like that and presents herself like that could then be experiencing this and how truly how impossible it is to be a woman no matter what you look like no matter how you're perceived by the world you will still experience the same things that someone who is supposed to be a very normal kind of average human can also experience so I really think they casted her so well for sure I I wonder if it was like I mean obviously I know that it's a movie but it must have been like kind of crazy to see all of those feelings reflected onto a doll that you like grow up thinking is perfect and has everything that she needs but to see your own like feelings and insecurities reflected in that that must have been so yes well I mean I guess for us because we were seeing it too because we all thought of Barbie the same way um yeah it was really eye-opening as well like to see that really I don't know illustrates all of those feelings exactly um what do you think? What of these next prompts do you want to dive into? I don't know. I think you put down the next one. So you go ahead and pick which one we go yeah. into next. I think they're all great. So yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to talk about, because when I was preparing for this episode, I found a lot of backlash on the Marco Robbie line saying mm-hmm. that, oh, if the if the directors wanted to get this point across, they shouldn't have cast Margot Robbie, kind of that self, it's supposed to be a line of self-awareness of the mm-hmm. film. Right. Um, but what were your thoughts on that? There's just I been mean, a lot of people saying that that's the one line they would change or think takes away from the message of the film, which I didn't necessarily think. I thought, I found it funny and I also still like like it's supposed to be self-aware of right. knowing that Margot Robbie is someone who is perceived by the world as perfect and kind of this flawless Hollywood starlet. But I think it it really adds to the message rather than take away that someone like Margot Robbie could experience those same emotions. And especially someone who is so big in the public eye, she probably experiences them to a larger extent of someone who 
might look like a more average human being and not like someone who again is perceived to be so perfect physically um so I don't I really didn't have a problem with it and I understand why there is criticism or people who felt uncomfortable with the line but I do think even then that then takes away from someone like her being able to feel all those emotions yeah I couldn't I couldn't be on more of the same page as you I honestly didn't find an issue with the line I also I mean I wasn't really thinking about it when the whole monologue was going on like like I don't know I wasn't really thinking like oh it's Margot Robbie like because I didn't really see it as Margot Robbie like she was Barbie like she was representing Mm -hmm. the doll that thousands of girls grew up with like she wasn't Margot Robbie in that moment but even after it was like said I honestly didn't have an issue with it I mean I could see why people might but personally I didn't I didn't see any issue with it exactly okay so I'm looking at the tweets right now and it was after Barbie said I'm not pretty anymore and then the narrator speaks and says note to filmmakers Margot Robbie is not the actress to get this point across I I still think it's 100% a valid point to bring up that she is someone who in the public eye is not even in the larger public eye but is objectively a very conventionally attractive person right um but I think yeah I don't know I think the criticism is unwarranted and I think in that moment she was talking more about being like physically pretty I feel like she was talking more about like just feeling pretty like internally and externally like it goes deeper than that um exactly in in that sense I don't think that there's an issue with that yeah I don't know agreed there weren't Agreed. any red flags when I heard that line for me. Maybe Agreed. For other people. <laughs> okay, our next question. I know I touched on this a little bit earlier, but what were your emotions throughout the film and what women in your life did you think of? Definitely in the beginning, I was feeling a lot of nostalgia just because like, I haven't mm-hmm. played with Barbies or seen Barbies in a really long time. Um, so definitely yeah. very nostalgic, like, seeing like Barbie land and all the Barbie dream houses and like thinking back to when I used to really really want one um was definitely very nostalgic but as the film went on I think and as they kind of explored deeper themes I definitely felt very introspective um I felt very grateful for all of the amazing women that I do have in my life um and I felt like I did express some grace towards myself especially after America Ferrer's monologue totally. and hearing all the things that she was able to vocalize. Um, I definitely expressed grace to myself and was like, like if thousands of women are going through this, like you don't have to feel like you're alone all the time. Like I definitely felt that. Um, and then I was just happy yeah. at the end just because I loved the movie. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. One thing that, really stood out for me particularly with just what I was experiencing in my life at the time was the idea of being content with being alone mm-hmm. um, and being entirely independent I think mm. what one part of the film I really enjoyed was the lack of romance mm-hmm. I am such a rom-com drama person when it comes to film but she 
literally does not she has no interest barbie has no interest in a relationship with ken she doesn't understand it she is so happy just being herself and being with her barbie friends that she i mean she's ultimately a little dismissive of him which Mm -hmm. is totally fine and (laughs) i feel like the fact that it is portrayed as completely normal in barbie land um was really powerful for me and just all all the moments of Barbie being on the road trip and singing closer to fine in the car um, shows how joyful you can be when you're content with just being by yourself and not feeling like you have to depend on another person for as a source of joy and a source of fulfillment. Um, And not to say that maybe one day she will not to say (laughs) she won't have that one day. Uh, But she shares the message with everyone that you do not have to be with someone or constantly be surrounded by people to be completely content with your life and who you are. Um, And I feel like the fact that her identity is built so much on how much she loves herself and how, how good she feels in herself all the time. She has so many lines of like, I feel great or (laughs) like, I feel beautiful whatever stuff stuff like that um kind of rambling right now but that's just something that has really stuck with me um after seeing it is that if barbie can be okay just being by herself then i can too (laughs) so that's one thing i thought of a lot um and then of course like i said earlier i thought of my mom a lot and all of the female friendships in my life um especially my friends from camp this summer who I experienced so much with um, in the span of two months at that point. Um, I felt really grateful to have been able to see it with them and know that they've made such a big impact on my life and will be relationships I'm going to have forever. Yeah, I think you definitely bring up an an interesting point that I hadn't really taken much thought to, but it was definitely... Um, something that they discussed on the theme was the fact that like Ken was made for Barbie like mm-hmm. like their Ken doesn't really exist outside of Barbie yeah. which I think was a really interesting perspective to put on like relationships uh, like cisgender yeah. relationships between a man and a woman like she was totally fine being on her own and it's like totally like no yeah. you don't need like Ken's validation like you don't need Ken yes to validate your feelings or your experiences like you can be perfectly content on your own and I think a lot of people struggle with that like especially when they get Mm -hmm. into a relationship they feel like their identity is tied to the relationship and to their partner and they kind of lose themselves but something that you were able to see is that you can still be Barbie like you can still do all of the things Mm -hmm. you want to um and you don't need this other person to kind of like validate your feelings which I yeah hadn't really thought about but you definitely brought up and now I'm thinking about it (laughs) exactly now I also think how you just mentioned how Ken was made for Barbie I think that was a really important part of the film because that's how women are portrayed in Mm -hmm. the real world right is that they're I mean biblically speaking women were supposedly made for men right And that's, I mean, the larger societal narrative um, that I think still exists to this day, given that we do live in a patriarchal system. It's all because, again, there's this concept that 
women were created to be there for men, do their chores, clean up after them, um, provide a family for them and whatever, be the one to take on domestic life, maybe not work. Um, if the husband has a significant job, whatever. So I think the fact that it's the reverse in Barbie land really has something to say about the female dream of getting out of that larger narrative and getting to be on their own and not be not have their identity reside in who they are for men and what they're supposed to do for them yeah I completely agree and I think that's the perfect way to discuss the next question that you had written Mm -hmm. being that um everything in Barbie land was definitely the opposite of what it is currently in the real world to an extreme right and mm-hmm. there was a lot of criticism um, that came out about the movie being anti-men um, and that there was a lot of anti-men messaging and like down with the patriarchy and things like that. Um, what were what are your thoughts on this, this criticism? Yeah. Well, I find the criticism to be ridiculous. I feel like it's very similar to the criticism that goes towards feminism in general mm-hmm. that people think feminism is pro-woman anti-men when in right. reality definitively it is equality for everyone and I feel like Barbie Land again is the extreme reverse of the real world but it is supposed to be because it is the extreme it's supposed to be then translated into the real world and combine the two where both women and men can experience feelings of a matriarchy or a patriarchy that I don't know like I feel like a perfect world would be those two combined where there's just equal power for everyone um but I think Barbie Land doing that and receiving criticism for it is just so comical because that is exactly how our real world is and again obviously not at this point to that extreme but at one point it did look exactly like that just in the reverse Mm -hmm. so the fact that it received so much backlash for being anti-men is just a testimony to what the film did accomplish which it was supposed to present what an ideal world would look like for women so I just think it's it it very much interprets the film in the wrong way. And it is supposed to be, it is a movie for everyone, but at the same time, it is about women's empowerment and uplifting their stories and allowing them to feel seen in a way that they don't typically feel in the real world and still experience issues of not getting, of whatever, not getting paid as much as men or dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace and I mean, as much as our world has progressed, there are plenty of issues presented towards women in every realm of their life. And a lot of families still expect the woman to stay home and do all of the requirements of domestic life. So I think a lot of people didn't go into it with the right mindset. Right. Yeah. And I'd like to add, like, even though Barbie Land was meant to show the opposite something that I remember reading like after I had watched the movie was like even though like it's supposed to be the inverse of the real world like 
the Kens and Barbie Land were still treated with respect. Like they weren't exactly. put down. They weren't like diminished. Like Barbies yes. in Barbie Land were just kind of focused on doing their own thing. They just yeah, and they didn't really care what the Kens did. Like, but they weren't actively going out of their way to like put them like pigeon them whole pigeonhole them into certain roles in their community. They kind of just let them do their exactly. own thing which I think was kind of missed with this when people talk about it being anti-men because that really wasn't the goal. Like they were just showing like women being independent and kind of focusing on their own realities and experiences and not having to worry about like the Kens, which I thought like some people just, just didn't get. Yeah. You brought up a really great point. I didn't even think about Mm -hmm. the fact that it isn't, what the real world used to look like because the men were actually treated with respect and were left to do whatever they wanted it was just the fact that none of them were in high positions of power Mm -hmm. I think that's where people were like oh therefore they're disrespecting men because they don't believe they deserve high functioning roles Mm, Mm -hmm. well look at the real world today we have not had a female president we still have majority men in our political system so I, I definitely think people who interpreted that that way clearly have a specific perspective of the world. Right. Probably means they shouldn't be seeing Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> the movie is not for them. I mean, ultimately <laughs> it is. That is that it is, is people who should them. be seeing it. But if they're not if they're not getting the message, then maybe maybe right. it's too late. Um, but I also think a lot of people then interpreted it that way because of the way they the way the film makes fun of. Mm-hmm. very masculine phenomenon so all of the all of the things Ken witnesses in the real world and then brings back and his mojo doja casa house <laughs> and his obsession with horses, horses. and <laughs> fighting, fighting and like the women in the like the Barbies who then wear the maid outfits mm-hmm. and are very, become very sexualized right um I think maybe some people were offended by that because it is there are a lot of things right. that are, I don't know. I think some men might have related to him and like, oh, I like that. And yeah, <laughs> it's being made fun of essentially. So I think that's also could be a source of where people yeah. felt that way. But I think yeah. they had to kind of go to that extreme, like yeah, pull out all of those stereotypes. Otherwise, I don't think they would have got across the message that they were hoping to. Like exactly the fact that it struck a chord with like so many people, like shows that there is an issue in mm-hmm. society like like they didn't like it because they, I feel like they didn't like it because they know it's true you know yes exactly I agree it's they'd rather criticize and be in denial than right change <laughs> their ways exactly um, the last the last question I wrote kind of goes hand in hand but um and we talked about this earlier but um the film really does call out toxic masculinity and as we said we wished there was more of a resolution to it Mm -hmm. but um I don't know what were your thoughts throughout the film about that general general theme of bringing to light how masculinity has been abused in the real world I just had a thought but I completely just lost it um I don't know why didn't you go first and I could try to like regather what I was thinking yeah because I was like I don't know where it went. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think 
I think one of the most disheartening moments of the film was when they first enter the real world and Barbie's immediately cat called and made honestly made fun of not even yes she's sexualized but so many people laugh at her and find her kind of ridiculous looking whereas they see Ken and they're like oh he's kind of cool like he's he's an attractive white man um so we are going to pay him respect whereas Barbie literally literally looks like a toy just walking around the real world um is immediately disrespected and she goes to the construction workers thinking like oh these are civil servants in barbie land i would trust them and i mean she would trust anyone in barbie land but um for her to then go to them and immediately be so blatantly disrespected um really highlights what it is to be a woman just walking through the streets um and unfortunately that's something that does happen on a daily basis like I literally had I was with one of the new members of Pi Fi on our little date <laughs> that we do with all the new members and I got catcalled and a guy commented on my body and that was I mean it was uncomfortable but it was felt a little too normalized for me um for Barbie to have that for that to be Barbie's first introduction to the real world I think was very well executed by Greta Gerwig but really did highlight how comfortable men feel in our society whereas women experience the opposite and seeing how welcomed Ken felt by the real world I think was portrayed really well uh, by his just overall excitement to be a man Mm -hmm. in a world that is so clearly patriarchal and Mm -hmm. accepting of any I mean objectively attractive white male figure right um definitely I think also what or the importance of this to answer this question like it's important because like you already said like I feel like masculinity and the patriarchy are so deeply rooted into the system like Mm -hmm. it's built to isolate women and kind of break down women but what this film was able to portray is that like when they come when you come when women come together and empower one another like they have the power to overcome a lot of these like barriers that have been put up throughout the years by the patriarchy I guess um, not exactly what I wanted to say, but I honestly can't remember what I was trying to say. But yeah, That's just okay. building off what you had to say before. I'm sure we'll be talking about this film in episodes to come, given right. how relevant it is to, I mean, just our podcast being about media representation. Right. I feel like that's something we haven't touched on yet is that Barbie is, I think, the perfect example of what positive women's media representation looks like right. because it really represents the experience of being a woman Um, and I think I think that is the overall goal of the film like yes it's a feel-good movie Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be comedic at times deep at others but it really is just a a movie about being a woman yeah I couldn't agree more and I I really enjoyed like at the beginning of the movie when they were like everybody is Barbie and Barbie is everybody and I think that it did a really good job because I I I know Barbie has received some backlash of kind of like upholding 
stereotypical like expectations for women mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the physical but they don't yeah. realize that they I mean Mattel has kind of made some steps towards being more inclusive yeah. more represent representative of the population but I like that they pointed that out like in the beginning that everybody is Barbie yeah. and Barbie is and al- everybody and also the fact that a incredible accomplishment of Barbie is her vast career experience mm-hmm. and that's that's the part that I felt really seen by was seeing mm-hmm. a Nobel Peace Prize winning Barbie and a award-winning journalist and mm-hmm. a judge and doctors and whatever I think right. that's something that I didn't really associate with Barbie um before the film I like I always see the career Barbies but mm-hmm. I've never thought about how impactful that is that so many girls have been able to pick out dolls that represent the career they want one day so I think that's something that will become more po- more and more popular as the years go on and more girls start at an early age to think about careers and like I was saying earlier about the urgency of so many of the issues in the world I think that's going to kind of trickle into the toy world and mm-hmm. maybe like a climate activist barbie or right. um like a protest barbie something like that but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be definitely curious to see what that starts to look like in upcoming years but yeah well i love this conversation i'm glad we were finally able to catch up mm-hmm. and kind of debrief the whole movie um dory has written yes. something at the bottom that i'm actually really excited yes. to do oh uh, why don't you go ahead and get started with that <laughs> Okay, so as I was thinking of a way to close out the episode, just because that was a very long conversation, I thought it would be fun to really steal the message of Barbie um, and how she goes about the world and share three things we love about ourselves and three things we love about each other or admire in each other. So, oh gosh, I didn't actually, <laughs> I had one thing I wanted to say, but then I have to think of the other two. Okay. I'll go first to my first one, but one thing I love about myself is my emotional intelligence and how deeply I think of my own emotions, but as but also the feelings of others and how I can interpret those better. Um, second, I think my passion, sometimes I'm a little too passionate about too many <laughs> different things and like I said earlier, spread myself too thin, but I, some of my most joyful moments are when I really hyper fixate on something and do a deep dive in research or spend a long time working on a project. Something like this is something that obviously I'm very passionate about and grateful to see it still continuing to this day. I mean, we literally started this three years, no, two years ago, which is crazy, crazy. to me that it's carried on so long. Um, and I think that comes from a place of the passion Jackie and I both share for the issue of women's media representation but also just wanting to have a project that makes an impact in some realm of the world um and then my last one uh, I think just I'll say my leadership and my ability in more recent years to step out of my comfort zone um, and be more courageous in what I have to say and not feel like I 
need to hold back because I am scared to have such a presence somewhere, I guess, um, or be too loud, be too opinionated. Um, and I think that comes from just being confident in my leadership abilities and what I have to share with the world. Uh, and then the three things I love about Jackie is one, her organization. She has helped so much with creating our notes page for <laughs> our podcast and just whatever, all, various, various different projects we've done over the years. Um, the next thing is how genuine she is. I still think about how amazing her Kairos letter for me it was a retreat way back when. Um, it was probably the most beautiful letter I received both physically. It was very decorated and colorful, but also so meaningful. Um, and that comes from her being so genuine and thoughtful with everything she does. Um, and then last is sailing for my own, her passion for everything. I mean, you heard her talk about her internship earlier. She clearly cares so much about the world and everything she does. She's definitely someone who puts her all into literally everything she does. So. <laughs> okay. So we don't have much time left, but Jackie, go ahead. Oh my gosh. These are so difficult. I mean, obviously <laughs> I have so much to say about Dory, but <laughs> about myself, I don't think about myself a lot. Um, but I yeah. guess three things that I would love about myself. Uh, one being, I think I'm a great listener. I enjoy listening mm. to other people and just kind of hearing what they have to say um, and different ideas they want to share or different feelings they have to express. I feel like I do a good job listening. Um, second, I'd probably say to go hand in hand with listening, probably my empathy. I like mm -hmm. to think that I'm a very empathetic person. Um, and then third, I'll say like my go-getter attitude. I feel like yes. I'm very ready to get out there and try something new. Um, but yeah, those are three things I love about myself. And Beautiful. three things about Dory, I think I'd have to echo her and say her passion. Definitely something I <laughs> truly love about her. Like, honestly, this podcast wouldn't be continuing to today if she and I didn't share the same passion for yeah. um, this, this the issue of media representation and female empowerment in society. Yeah. Um, so passion, for sure. Um, second, I'd say, ooh, there's so many to choose from. I know. Um, <laughs> I think her awareness, uh, you're Ooh. very aware of everything that's going around or going on around you and the different issues at hand and the voices that need to be uplifted. So I really, really admire that about you. And then lastly, I think Thank you. you just have like one of the most beautiful hearts that I've ever come across. Like you're so loving of everybody you come to me and all of your friends are so oh. lucky to have you as a friend. Like I know I am. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Um, yes. Oh my God. That's such a big part. <laughs> well, on that Thank note. You. you as well. Yes. Oh. I'm so glad we got to do this episode. I know me too. This last moment, I think, was a perfect way to close out and really hit home Barbie's message of the importance of uplifting other women and just kind of taking away the competition we often feel with yeah. each other as women living in a patriarchal system. Um, I think that's another message of Barbie we didn't even get to talk about today right. um, was that just importance of 
always empowering each other and how that can create a more utopic world like Barbie land. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Yes. Um, And we look forward to recording more episodes this year. Yes. We'll see you all so soon, hopefully. (laughs) Bye. Bye.